and and all you got to do is get some frozen grapes. Did you watch the show at all? I did not watch uh, that much of the show. Her kid is uh, 13. She just looks like she's 19. Oh, I haven't seen her kid. I was just assuming because, oh. you know, Salman Rushdie's really old. <laughs> her um, kid makes semi-frequent appearances uh, on her Instagram. So that, uh, that was, okay. Yeah. Um, well, in any event, uh, I, I feel like knowing Padma is single can't hurt, you know? I, I will say, like, your your biggest disadvantage is probably that she's got a few inches on you. <laughs> yeah, but I think she had more than a few on Salman Rushdie as well. So yeah, that's a fair uh, point. Yeah, uh, how many, how many, um, how many uh, universally acclaimed novels have you written? Uh, I'm I'm over universally acclaimed novels at this point. Over. Okay. All right. So that's so. a slight demerit, but but <laughs> get to work but on that. <laughs> he's 75. You know, um, he's he's 20 plus years older than her. So. Uh, you got that going for you. You're young. You're spry. <laughs> I'm young and spry. Yes. All right. I feel like we should start with Top Chef since we've we've gotten into this. I guess nonsense. so. I guess so. I have copious <laughs> notes, by the way. On Top you do Chef. copious notes. Okay. Copious. Well, I mean, a lot of them are just like writing down what people made because it's. I, I want to make sure I can sort of recall precisely what was going on. But uh, copious notes. Yes, copious do notes. You- do you agree with my kind of pre-show assessment that the vibes of this season of Top Chef and this season of The Challenge are kind of weirdly similar? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I, I, I am because I think it's it's a it's as strong a field as you'll ever see. Um, and in fact, Padma made the comment during their meal during the elimination challenge of like. Usually it takes a few weeks to get to the point where everyone is cooking really good and it's and just, just nitpicking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and look, I mean, this week there were a couple of bizarrely huge mistakes that, that killed the two chefs who were the bottom two. Um, I but, would say they were more important mistakes than huge mistakes, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, huge, huge mistakes in terms of like they are they're monumental. Not, but but they were they were singular. They were like one error essentially by each of the two dudes yeah. who were the clear two bottom guys. Because like, Dawn screwed up, but she was not being considered for elimination. Um, yeah, because her food was better. She she just conceptually screwed up mostly. Well, and I think they gave her a break when she threw Gabri right under the bus. Well, um, but which she, is where he belonged. But <laughs> sure, like he did it. I don't. I, I was happy honestly that I don't think his mistake which was an honest one right like really messed up her dish honestly it messed up her temperament a little bit but well and and that that's one of the handled pretty well you know yeah no i think look the dish ended up okay it, the vegetables however might have stood out more if they hadn't been uh waterlogged in the middle of the maybe I, I think the, i think the vegetables didn't stand out mostly because they were in this in this pastry that was quite delicious you right, know but I mean? I mean, there were other vegetables around the pastry that I think amounted to nothing for them, and I, and it, I did wonder, it's hard to know, but I did wonder if that was because they got soaked in the middle of cooking. Um, it's probably yeah. hard to re, she, re, anyway. re-season them. Yeah. But, I think but that's beside the point. Her dish tasted better than the other two by, by some measure. Exactly. That's why she wasn't being yeah. eliminated. I, I will say this. Um, I was, perhaps the most surprising thing to me watching this first episode Definitely top two, because honestly, the elimination challenge uh, victor was a surprise in a beautiful way. Um, But the thing that surprised me the most is how little 
Dawn's like confidence and and wherewithal have grown <laughs> since nearly winning Top Chef and and just like generally being feted around the country for being a tremendous chef over the last couple of years. Like she showed up just as frantic and time crunched and unconfident as she was on day one of her first season. Yeah, I you know I I suspect that that is the difference between uh, restaurant cooking and Top Chef competition style cooking. You know what I mean? Which I think, right? Like I, I think it's something that a, a, more than a few contestants on the show are going through because, you know, like like the French guys said, like, you know, in Top Chef France, where it, everything was in a kitchen. You know, right? Well, the and bigger like, thing he so said that I thought was shocking that they do with the locations. Of- I think wears on a lot of people, you know what I mean, if you're not used to it. Agreed. And it was a brutal way. The first day was absolutely brutal for them. No question about it. The first, like, you know, episode of days, whatever it was. But the other thing that shocked me was how different the format seemed to be. Like, the French guy also said, and this was what stood out the most to me, we never had a challenge with less than 90 minutes. Like, yeah. Of course you're going to be frantic in in American Top Chef kitchen, although it's in London. But like, th- you don't. Time crunch is maybe the biggest challenge of of the show we watch every year, right? Yeah, I would I would say that's true. But I would also say maybe if you're doing Top Chef France and you're probably it's predominantly French cooking. You know, I that, guess. But French Top cooking Chef- is one of the hardest ones to do on a time crunch, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly that's a factor, but it's still surprising to me that nine, they never had a challenge less than ninety minutes. That's surprising. Yeah. I mean, I was I thought it was really interesting that um, you know someone made risotto in a in a quick fire. <laughs> uh, did she, <laughs> or did she just make slightly soggy rice? <laughs> well, because... I don't know. Did, did that woman did she won Top Chef Italy? Right, that was what she got on the show, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it's uh, one of the it's one of the most shocking things I've ever seen on Top Chef is to have a Top Chef Italy winner insist she can make risotto not only in 30 minutes but then start it late and finish it early and try to convince a Canadian chef who was like this is not done that al dente risotto is a thing. <laughs> like what was that? Yeah, I I don't know. That was that was a little weird. It's also clearly could only happen from someone who's never seen American Top Chef. You know what I mean? Although I guess right, right if you're making risotto on a quick fire, you know you're not going home. So, uh, so I guess you can't totally be cursed, right? Yeah, I will say this though. Um, if she had started it when the Canadian told her to start it and left it on longer, like the Canadian told her to, she might have pulled it off. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if um. It, it, you know, if you watch the season, this the season on trailer, someone someone apparently breaks the risotto curse in this season. Really? So, yeah. Okay. That was a, that was a thing in the yeah in the trailer. No, that's good to so. know. Um, by the way, the French guy uh, who did get eliminated. So, um, you know, I guess we'll see him on Last Chance Kitchen. Uh, did did you did you? Uh, I I had like significant doppelganger vibes from him. And I'm wondering if you had the same ones. I did not. So, what was your what was your doppelganger one? What's the guy the the guy who was the kid in ET? <laughs> what was that guy's name? Uh, it starts with an E, right? Elliot? No, Elliot. Henry was Thomas. Character. Elliot Henry is the, Thomas. the character. Yeah, yeah. Henry Thomas. To me, he looks a lot like Henry Thomas. 
Like today, Henry Thomas? Uh, maybe like five years ago, Henry Thomas, with with a with two days of stubble. I'll call that today because I don't know it. I don't know if there's a difference. Yeah, uh, think about it next time you watch Top Chef. Okay, um, I'll, I'll go back and look at that. Or maybe like uh, Suicide Kings, Henry Thomas. Is that is that a thing? Uh, like that age. Uh, yeah, he was in Suicide Kings. Yeah. yeah I don't think I saw of... Suicide Kings, so I don't really? that's tough reference for me. Yeah. It's kind of a cult classic. Yeah, well, you know, that's cult classics. Are people, movies that not everybody's seen, right? That's what makes them cult classics. I guess you're right about that. Yeah. I uh, recommend it. All right. Maybe I'll maybe. go back. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Um, other random notes I want to throw at you. Uh, I love the old London bus that they rode. Um, I did, when it first started driving, I did go, oh, my God, they're on the wrong side of the – oh. That's right. They're in London. <laughs> um, I was like, wow, they cleared the wrong side of the street for – oh, no, wait. That's that's just how you drive there. Um, I immediately fell in love with Sylvia from Poland and Dale from Canada. Um. Those were your those are those are your favorites. You're your most charming. I mean, I well, I have some old faves, you know, like Amar Amor. How do you say his name? Um, I think it's Amar. Yeah, it's spelled Amar, but I feel like he pronounces it like Amar. Amar I don't know. I can't do it. <laughs> um, I I I'm already a big fan of him. I'm already a big fan of Dawn. I already like Buddha, but from the new people, Dale and Sylvia are are my are my two faves. Um, and then, uh, Victoire, like I, I always try to identify the asshole, right? There's always the asshole. And my best guess is the Italian, the, the Italian winner, Victoire. Really? I, well, I don't see an obvious asshole here. Um, and yeah, I think that. That's my best guess, largely because of the interaction over the risotto, where the other chef was clearly right, and she was like, I'm from Italy, listen to me, and she was wrong. <laughs> I don't know if that makes her an asshole, though. Well, not necessarily. I'm just saying. I'm trying to predict. Gotcha. I The one who, um, if I'm going to go with an asshole, and I think this is weird, because I, w- I would say she was maybe one of my favorite people on the show for from one episode. But if you're asking me just to guess who would be the asshole, I'm going to go with Begonia. Interesting. I will say uh, she who? she got incredibly favorable first challenges. Yeah, was a, all, they're all right in her wheelhouse. But, right. like, you know, she's also scary, right? Like, the, no one else is oh, coming. Yeah with the Michelin star. But the, the reason I'd said that is specifically because right when she was talking about her food, she said it was like her, right? Like there's no middle, either you love her or you hate her. Yes. So um I'm assuming she she also just sort of seems like she's got the got a little spice, you know what I mean? I agree. I agree, so but I she did wrong way to people. But I personally, like I said, she might be my favorite of the show so far. Like I'm really enjoying her. So I, I liked her too. And she did work really well with uh May in that first challenge. They made a very complicated dish. Like they were one of the groups that did the most in in the quick fire in terms of just like getting a lot done. And uh you know they weren't top three, but the the chefs definitely the judges definitely liked what they did. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I I've got to. Yeah, I mean Begonia's. Uh, I, I think she's going to be a contender, um, but we'll see. Well, it'll be interesting to see when when things are not so in her wheelhouse because she's like a vegetable superstar with a Michelin star, and the first two challenges were largely vegetable focused. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and what she did, I mean, undeniably, what she did with the pumpkin noodles and the cream in the uh, elimination challenge not only was delicious enough to be a top three dish, but was but far and away the most impressive looking concoction of the week. Yeah. So, so much of this food just looked good. Like they didn't love Buddha's dish, but I thought Buddha's dish looked amazing. You know what I mean? Classic Buddha challenge, right? Yeah. They like he over, he over, uh, food nerded it a little bit, which is funny because in the, in the quick fire, Buddha and Sylvia had maybe the simplest dish and it was one of the top three. Um, they just went really straightforward, simple stuff, and they absolutely nailed it. But he went full Buddha in the elimination challenge, undoubtedly. Yeah, and I feel like he's laying in the weeds a little bit in this competition. And I thought like uh, like Sarah made a classically Sarah dish that kind of didn't look really great, but <laughs> yep, <laughs> seemed like it tasted pretty good. And, and uh, I loved that somebody I forget if it was Padma or Tom or Gail, but somebody from the the normal U.S. show. Um, had to tell everyone like well yeah it kind of looks like shit but like it's very southern <laughs> it's yeah, like it's supposed to be like that <laughs> right it's not a mistake like this is this is sarah guys um because everyone was like this tastes really good but it just looks brown and and crappy <laughs> and they were like no yeah that's no it's kind of what she does i uh <laughs> I did enjoy just all the refined English judges and their refined Englishness. You know yes. what I mean? Talking about these dishes. Um, and, and and I think because of that, it is all the more impressive. Well, first I would say when it comes to the elimination challenge, like I said, I was a little surprised, but I shouldn't have been with the top three dishes because this was a classic top chef situation where especially early, because later you get more absolute insanity, right? But early in the show, think about the brief first. Because all three people who finished in the top three were people who went out of their way to focus specifically on the vegetables to the point where any meat or protein aspect of the dish was almost an afterthought. Right. And, like, Tom had the crazy carrot thing with, like, carrots 17 ways and some incredible vegetable chutneys. Charbel the Onion Man, who won, like, it's ambitious in that he's serving them an onion as a main course, but it was exactly the brief, and he went all out to make that onion as perfect as possible, and he and he did it. So, especially early in the show, and Begonia, as we said, just a beautiful vegetable dish, and she knows what she's doing with that. Like, everyone who was in the bottom... Not necessarily the. I mean, the bottom three were mostly major errors, but but everyone who got sort of knocked in the judging was knocked for making the meat or protein too central to the dish. Yeah, no, they were big on that. They were yeah. big on that. You can tell following the construct of the challenge was very important to them. Um, yeah. in in almost all of that feedback, and I don't think I don't. 
Like we we got this far without giving Charbel, I think maybe a, a, enough credit for that onion, which I, it, like hey, it looked amazing. It sounded amazing. like it tasted really great, and it's a fucking onion. <laughs> Just an onion, man. And and I I loved his attitude too. That like when he talked about choosing the onion dish, he was like, "The brief is vegetables. I wanted to choose a humble vegetable and make it as impressive as possible." And after that quick fire, I looked around at the competition and like, if I don't, if I am not pretty ambitious, if I don't take some shots, I'm gonna be out of here. So I'm going for it. I love that. Yeah, and essentially, Tom, I think, had the same ambition. Um, yes. Uh, uh, but he just got he just got he just chose a slightly less humble vegetable. <laughs> yeah, and and I would say this too, like begonia. I, I wouldn't call it ambitious because it sounds like that's a dish she basically has made before, but also really locked in on specifically what the brief was and and knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I it's these things that maybe you sort of forget in between seasons of Top Chef, but because, you know, I'm looking at Buddha and, like, he's got eggplant here and 16 other vegetables and... 15 different preparations and a silken tofu thing going on. And I'm like, God, that looks incredible. I bet he's going to be in the top three. And then I forget. No, they're like, you're supposed to turn a vegetable into something impressive. And he just did Buddha stuff. He didn't do the brief as much as he did Buddha stuff. <laughs> yeah. I like Buddha stuff though. I, look, we all love Buddha stuff. There's a reason he's the defending champ, but um, that was not specifically the brief. He did better than, than others. But that was not specifically the brief. Um, can I, I, I? Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go. Uh, can I give you a moment that I really liked from the show? That uh, um, when uh, Victoire yeah. and uh, the Brazilian woman, who's uh, uh, Luciana? Luciana, yes. Luciana uh, had that moment talking about their cassava dishes. Yeah. And and then they kind of explained, you know, uh, Victoire explained what uh, what it meant to the Congo, and then uh, Luciana explained how it went from Brazil, uh, you know, Africa. through the Portuguese to Africa, yeah, and yeah. like, and she really got moved by it, and like, it's just one of these things that I don't know that many other competition reality shows are going to do it like give you like this little aspect of the way that food connects the world and i think we're going to get so much of that this season and i'm uh i am excited for that i agree and, and and even just seeing how the different chefs from different countries relate over different dishes in general you know even if it it wasn't even if there isn't a great historical context to it like you know watching uh, um what what's his name? Uh, watching Gabri and Luciana in the quick fire coming together over ceviche, basically ceviche, and and then like adding a lobster water shot. Like man, that live! I really wanted to try that I lobster water shot, especially after Gabri <laughs> tasted it and was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Ooh, that must be really good." Um, <laughs> by the way, Gabri wins the lucky fucker of the week award because burning all your vegetables and forgetting your chicken emulsion should have gotten you kicked out. But the other guy forgot to take the poo out of the shrimp. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, he had, he had a rough day. He had a rough day. He got, he got a little scattered. 
Yes. Um, I think th- I think this guy might have some talent. So I'm, I'm, Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree. I like him, but that was an unforgivable mistake, and just generally an unforgivable plate that he ended up serving. If not for the other guy literally failing to clean his sh- his his prawns, that's that's yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, Chard, uh, <laughs> uh, Chard, what, Chard, Chard, wasn't it? Not uh, tough way to go. It, it was leaves, but I don't remember if it was Chard or or I think it was something else because he was talking about. I think it was. Um, There's a couple different leaves in there, right? Yeah. Anyway, the point of that is like maybe the sauce would have helped, but. <laughs> Where do you forget the sauce? I don't know that I've ever seen... Like, obviously, we've seen people leave stuff off of dishes before. I don't know that I've ever seen someone have the judges be like, so is there a protein here? And go, at that point, go, oh, shit, I forgot it. <laughs> like, Yeah, this would be the, the, the dish to do that, though, where they were specifically like, hey, make protein the afterthought. You know what I yes, mean? Yes, and also his protein was like in a siphon... Uh, yeah, you know, him, it was quite literally the afterthought, <laughs> right? In, in emulsified siphon of chicken juice, but but yeah. nevertheless, like that's a that's about as bad a mistake as you can make if if you're not going to fail to clean the meat. Yeah, I think. Look, I think the conditions were against him from the moment he started chopping. So, um, so hopefully, hopefully he'll turn yeah. up a little bit. Weird, better. huh? That Whole Foods England doesn't have like <laughs> corn masa. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> but it did make me think like there's probably not a lot of Mexicans in London, huh? It's probably one of the it's, ethnic groups that I is not I don't know, man. It's London is so international. Sure, of course, but I think like, you know, we think of Indian and Pakistani representation for sure. Obviously all of Europe is represented really well. Spain, Asia but, too. Yeah, and Asia, but I I don't know if like Mexico and South America are probably the least represented international pla- uh, flavors in in London, I would think. Yeah, or maybe at least that's what that's what the shopping experience made me think. Yeah, yeah, maybe that might be true. I mean, I uh, I haven't done a ton of grocery shopping over there, although not none. I actually have, but you know, at a Tesco, not not London. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't recall seeing a lot of Whole Foods in London, so I wonder if there's only like one that they made them go to. Right, like one massive London Whole Foods. That, uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure they had to make sure there was a Whole Foods before they scheduled the season for London, though. <laughs> I feel like they've done a season somewhere where there wasn't a Whole Foods and they went to something else. Oh, also, can we talk about the fact that the water sponsor has changed? Sure. Uh, did you notice that? I did not. Well, who who sponsors Top Chef? Like, who do you think of as the... Well, Pellegrino was the That's tradition. Right. Yeah. That's right. It's so they, it's it's someone else. Who is it? You don't remember? It starts with an S. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> San Pellegrino? <laughs> no. No, no. But they, they did a... Like, as I was fast-forwarding, I saw they were doing lots of commercials. And it was, like, furnished by whoever. That's not... What was it? I don't know. It's still a product placement machine, right? Like, yes. they had a Delta Airlines mentioned in the, like the first thirty seconds of the show. They had Delta, and of course, uh, of course, um, BMW was well represented. Yeah, what? boy, that electric BMW looks pretty sweet. I gotta say. Uh, Agreed. Fast agree. forward. Fa- okay, fair enough. Saratoga. Oh. Saratoga Water is the new presenting sponsor of the two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Clearly, clearly just a bunch of impression on me, but you know, there's a lot of season left to go. 
Yeah, yeah. Furnished by Saratoga Water. Uh, I want to shout out, and this is true for, for both this and the challenge, I want to shout out all these people who are doing doing a, an American television show in their second or third language. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll get to the challenge. Um, at least in Top Chef, that is like 75% of the show. In the challenge, those poor Argentines are at a massive disadvantage. Yeah. Just massive. And, and, yet, and they're also the weakest physical competitors. Everyone seems to like them, though. You know what yeah. I mean? But we'll yeah. get to that in a minute, right? Which is nice, um, but not very helpful, I don't think. Before we do, we should handicap this, right? Top Chef? Yeah. Okay. So after after an episode, who do you like? Um, I, I, I can't not favor Buddha. Uh, he's just too good. We know how good he is. Um, and after that, I, I was going to say Begonia, who you mentioned earlier, just because, look, I mean, as far as doing well on the first episode, she, I think, was as good as anybody. And I think you got to throw Charbel in there because, yeah, he's younger and less experienced than most of the people here, but he took a big shot and he hit it as far like that was a home run out of the arena and perhaps into a neighboring city. Like he really to blow that panel's minds with an onion is an incredibly impressive achievement. Yeah, I was impressed by that. I'm I had Tom uh in my third slot um kind of for similar reasons, but um uh, you know, I think it's going to be I think there are a lot of people lying in the weeds. Like this is just a, I don't know, it's just a cast of heavy hitters it seems like. So, it, uh yeah, it's it's hard to 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 pick someone who is like I don't think they can win um based on the first episode. Yeah. The, yeah, even the ones that yeah, everyone seems dangerous, but you know, just based on early performance, I would say Begonia and and Charbel and Tom too, all all really impressed. And then Buddha's just Buddha, man. I think everyone there needs to be a- afraid of him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, <laughs> till, till I see someone kick his ass, <laughs> right? I just I I have supreme confidence in Buddha. He is. Uh, ju- I don't know that I've ever seen another chef on Top Chef who consistently can win a challenge going simple or incredibly complicated, right? Yeah, like, like I just usually, think his skill set is really built for this show. It you is, know? yeah. Usually a, a chef's lean one way or the other, right? Um, and, like, Buddha can get overcomplicated, but he can also do simple and execute it perfectly and win that way. So um, he's just dangerous, man. Yeah. Um, I... Uh, I I have to wonder, like in this world of like in Netflix and international content and hits and and shows that stream everywhere, like how have we not been able to see Top Chef Canada and Top Top Chef? You would who would want to watch Top Chef Italy or Top Chef Spain? Like Top Chef France? Let's I don't make, know. Let's if, make these shows available. I mean, that sounds like a good idea, but I don't know that I am prepared to read subtitles to watch another country's Top Chef. <laughs> So oh, I, I might be, I might be. Well, shout out to you. Um, I am considering watching need it for Top Chef Canada, though. No, that's what I'm saying. I'd watch Top Chef Canada. Uh, I, I am also very much considering watching the UK and Australia challenges because those are now available on Paramount Plus. Yeah, apparently the Australian one was not a ratings hit over there. <laughs> it's not surprising. <laughs> All right, should we segue into that? Yes.
Um, World Championships dropped two episodes on us. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we've got a, I, I think the MVPs, right? That's obviously that's the mystery part. You knew the legends were going to be good. Yeah. I was pretty impressed with the MVPs. Incredibly uh, impressive. This is, I don't think there's any debate that this is the, certainly the strongest, like the bottom of the cast is stronger than ever. If you're yeah. looking for somebody like, like, you know, I'm going into elimination tonight and I get to pick my opponent. Like there's just not really a good choice. Maybe there's, you know, a team like, uh, you know, Nelly and Huhui is probably the choice. Cause Huhui is, is one of the least experienced and seemingly least physically gifted people there. But like, that's not a cupcake. Right. And Nelly's small and has one. Right. But, but that's not a cup. And like, you know, Nelson getting picked last, right, sounds crazy based on his general performance. Because, yeah, he's never won, but he's a pretty competitive challenger. Uh, but it was obvious. Like, I, th- this is as competitive a, a, a like cast of talent as we have ever seen. Yeah. Okay. So, let me – I'm going to start with this hypothetical. Um, You are up there. You know, and you won that first challenger. What was it, Dale? What was it? What yep. was the guy's name? Uh, his name is is uh, is um, Grant. Grant, thank you. Um, you win that first challenge. Yep. Who are you picking? Well, I gotta say, um, I, I have a three part answer for you. I personally am picking Tori because. You know where I stand with Tori. <laughs> yeah. If I am, if I am, up this way. When I when I thought of this question, I'm like, ah, he's gonna pick Tori. <laughs> that's right. If I'm if I'm being totally objective and trying to take my personal feelings out of it, I am picking Casey. However, I think he made the right choice because when you watch him compete physically, he's an absolute beast, and he had nothing for that puzzle. Just nothing. So I think choosing John A, who can absolutely hold her own physically, but is an ace in terms of social game and puzzles, I think that was the right choice for Grant. Agreed. It was one of those things where when he did it, I was like, John A, really? And then when they explained it, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I'm with that. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then when they actually did, the, did, a, did a daily challenge, it worked perfectly, right? Mm-hmm. So I, you know... My sister and I were talking about this, actually, during the week. Um, I I would undoubtedly rank Tori and Casey as my top two, like, power ranking of, of, the, of the female field here. Yeah, Casey but would I, have been my pick. Yeah, but I do, I do really think Grant made the right choice. I really do. And, and I think it's going to pay long-run long dividends as well. Yeah, I mean, I think what people were saying about a team needing to be well-rounded – um, like that makes a lot of sense, it does. and I think it's ironic. Um, because it seems like, um, the guy who did pick Tori, Danny, seems like they may be having some trouble getting along this season. So yeah, I, can I be honest? But, I wish they hadn't shown us that. Just because you didn't want to know, like, I I wouldn't predict it. Would you yeah. have predicted that? No, I would not, because they both seem to be pretty 
easygoing people. Yeah. For the most most part. So, like, I mean, obviously, I, has their stuff, but, yeah. you know, Mary Danny ain't going to trigger any of that stuff. You know what I mean? Right. So, so I, it, it sounds to me like what ends up, based on the preview, it's, it looks like what ends up happening is, you know, Tori is is sort of uh, protecting Jordan at some point, and that makes Danny nervous. But I, I don't know. I was surprised that they gave that away. I didn't think it was necessary. Or I, I, Honestly, like, I don't understand if if I'm watching streaming why they're going to give me a preview for what I'm about to watch. Like I don't I don't need it. It doesn't well, help no, me because they want it. you to keep like yeah. Then you you don't need a trailer because yeah. you're going to come back every week. But yeah, they you know they want to make sure people know like hey this season is the goods. Particularly like like what if you didn't like the first episode that much? You know what I mean? I totally get why they do it. I guess. Uh, and I, I guess. like seeing it. I want the, I want the meat. Even if sometimes afterwards I'm like ah maybe I wish I didn't know that. I'd rather they. You know, threw me a couple bones out there just to, to you know, keep it spicy. Fair enough. <laughs> so. uh, what other, what other like takeaways did you have from the, the opening? Because I thought it was pretty interesting to put all the MVPs through basically a mini final, to to sort of, I don't know, open the season, right? Like that that was a pretty massive opening challenge that only the MVPs had to do. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's kind of like Nelson was saying. To me, it was a little bit more interesting as a test of wills than wor- worrying about who finished where, per se. You know, like, uh, I mean, Tristan hasn't done great, clearly, so far at all. But, like, you, you can get stuck on a puzzle in one of those things that happens. You know what I mean, right? So, like, yeah, totally. the, fact, the fact that he finished last, like, it, that doesn't bother me so much, you know? Well, I mean, it would have bothered him more if he hadn't gotten lucky and the guy hadn't gotten sick. <laughs> yeah, sure would have. By the way, medically separated. Yeah, it's a really interesting term, was it not? It was. Um, it makes it sound like he could come back, although it seems, based on everything I've seen, like he will not. It also makes it sound like COVID, which, if that's the case, like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I guess I, I, I don't even really want to get into it, but. Uh, in a COVID world, like bananas being quite obviously sick as a dog on the first episode and one guy being medically separated after like drinking maskless with the entire cast is, is it would be concerning if I cared about the well-being of these people. Yeah. I just can't, it can't be like, I'm sure that they're taking maximum COVID precautions, right? In a, yeah. In a- obviously everyone's house. getting tested and everything, but it's just, yeah. I, I don't know. In some ways, I think the, and maybe it's a HIPAA thing. I don't know. But in some ways, the squirreliness about that kind of stuff, I think, makes it worse, actually. To- yeah, I don't like – like, medically – like, this, when you say something medically separated and it's completely out of nowhere, like, it's not like we saw this guy get injured or – you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel like you want – you give us more information. I need a little bit more transparency right. than that. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and I think yeah. transparency serves the show's – you know, uh, ends in that respect in that, like, I don't think, I don't know. I guess it's hard to say this without knowing the truth, but I don't think more information would have made the show look worse. I don't know. Right. Unless it's something just, just really, really awful. Right. But Which it doesn't seem to be. Cause I've seen a lot no, of like yeah. positive stuff about Nathan from the cast on, on social media. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem like there's any reason to do that. So, um, anyway, and it did sort of like, I don't know, like, I feel like it did turn the game a little bit, right? Because it's like, yeah. 
you know, the UK and, uh, and, um, you know, was all of a sudden at a bit of a disadvantage along with the Argentines. Especially um, in that, in that first vote. I mean, I think he might've changed the, the numbers in that first vote to decide who went in, which would all right. totally changed I, the game. I feel like this is a good point to kind of maybe get into some of the, the vote dynamics here, which I've, uh, I before predicted. we get to that, can I just okay. read you a couple of my favorite notes that I took here? Okay. Um, the Wes ITM. With the fast forwarding? Yes. <laughs> that, that's why this show suffers when he's not here. <laughs> it's true. It's just a fact. Like, just, I'm known as the best, and then he listed, like, 20 things. Yeah. Um, and, and then they, like, fast forwarded through 20 more things, and then he was still going. Just incredible stuff. Hey, man, first picked. First picked, and uh, and I deservedly so. Completely justifiable to me. Yep. 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 Um, the uh, <laughs> I, I had forgotten in his lengthy absence how funny it is uh, when uh, when a when a challenge begins with a sprint and Theo is there <laughs> <laughs> because you can very quickly identify the Olympic runner from the group. He just like bursts out ahead of everybody. Um, uh, Theo, a couple. Of the, you, first of all. Theo has an ex-girlfriend in the cast. That yes. is amazing. Uh, and he and has I a baby boy. I didn't know that. If you if you put five English women in a room, I feel like there's a good chance that Theo dated one of them, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, an extremely good cast. <laughs> an extremely good chance. No doubt about that. Um, I, I, I would say that of all the people in the first, you know, of all the MVPs watching that first sort of mini final type deal, Obviously, Grant was super impressive. I think that's easy to say. But Zara, to be, yeah. first of all, fast and, like, athletic, but so skinny and so strong, I thought was a eye-opener. And and that Zara and West team, I think, is is really something. It's going to be tough, too. I was impressed by Kaz as well. And, yep. I, you know, uh, the person who didn't impress me who I'm a big fan of uh, uh, coming in from the MVP thing is Justine. Yeah, yeah. But she did have a nice comeback. Like, she started slow, but she ended up finishing third or fourth, I think, in that in that big yeah. thing. And I think, again, like, there's a lot of good partnerships here. I, I, think, I think Justine's in a pretty good situation. Yeah, she picked a great partner. Yeah. Um, one, one last thing. Um, who do you have in the hat off? Between Ben and Jordan. Oh, Ben. Yeah, okay. All right, same page. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's, you're just not going to be Ben in the hat off. Like, Ben's born to wear that hat. He is. And it's, like, only with Jordan's ridiculous hat did I notice how gigantic the brim of Ben's cowboy hat is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a it's a real 10-gallon piece, and he's, he's, he's pulling it off. He, yeah. Yeah, fits. and just such a lovable character. I mean, really, a really, really lovable guy. Danny too, for that matter. Yeah. Um, well, and it's interesting. You're getting these survivor guys. Like, yeah. I, I feel like this vote was a very survivor vote. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, I think that's where we have maybe, to. We got <laughs> Maybe thought two, three steps further ahead than they probably should have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I, but. I think we're thinking in the right way at the same time. You know what I mean? Like figuring more out so, what the numbers were for them. More so than they were in 
in the USA, uh, you know, season, the, ch the Challenge USA, certainly. Um, I got to say, Sarah is just, uh, what I, I wrote down, unfathomably off-putting is how I described it. Like, <laughs> the degree to which her presence is entirely unpleasant is impressive. I can't, I can't quite get over it. I, um, I don't know. I, I like Sarah more than other people. I just, I, I, I'm I not even like, feel like I need to say that. Yeah. I don't hate her or anything, but like, she is just off putting is the right word. She is just, she's like, she's like a, she's sandpaper man. She is, she, she has a talent for rubbing everyone the wrong way, including me watching from my couch. Yeah. Yeah, most people I know are not fans. Um, but, like, I think she she kind of masterminded this, this thing, right? I got to say, when, when I heard her say the plan is to try to deadlock the vote, I was like, that's one of the dumbest plans I've ever heard. There's no way they're going to be dumb enough to deadlock the vote and put themselves at risk. But she was right. Yeah, and even it wasn't even necessarily to deadlock the vote. It's to, like... Let's put some pressure on these two to, to tell us where they stand, right? Um, yeah, uh, it was. Now she got the consequences of deadlocking the vote wrong, and uh, you know, one well, of but actually, got screwed in the process. But well, still. but what she said actually, and I think I think it's important. What she said was, "I want to deadlock the vote to see what happens." Yeah, and that's what she, she did. said to the camera, not what she said to the other contestants, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think that was, you know. Again, I it sounded insane when she said it, but it basically worked. Although I would say this, if I was a competitor on this show, I would not be so confident that this that we get the same result if it is deadlocked again. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> DJ can do anything. By yeah. the way, we we probably should talk about that, right? You nominally got four hosts. I almost don't want to talk about it because it is the worst decision that the challenge uh, as a television program has made in in my memory. Well, I can't understand it. I don't if know what they're doing there. They're barely part of it. The British guy got like one minute of airtime to tell a, a guy who couldn't complete a puzzle that he was a puzzle master. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. So, that's, like, if you're going to – I'm not sure of the wisdom of having four hosts, obviously, especially – There's no wisdom. One, who's so iconic. But if you're going to have four hosts, let let the four hosts host. Like, like DJ doesn't need to do all of that stuff. You know yeah, what I mean? And, like, with all due respect, I and, and like, I'm I'm not biased against him, but, like – Ultimately, why have a host speaking in his second language who's not even really doing it? Like, I I don't know. Who's the one speaking in the second language? Is it oh, the Argentinian host, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like, I, it just didn't make sense to me. Um, and, and beyond that, I don't even know who the Australian is. She was barely there. And the British guy, again, had that one little moment and otherwise was irrelevant. Like, what is the point of this? None of them were even in the elimination chamber, right? Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, if you're going to have four, they should be around and they should be doing stuff. That's that's right. what I think. You Unless know. maybe they were just like there at the beginning and then now they're not going to be there. But the way they talked about it leading up to it made it sound like it was four hosts all season long. So I don't know. Maybe they get more involved, which I also don't want to see. I just I don't I don't get it. I don't see any reason for any of it. Well, like maybe they're good. 
you know, how would we know at this point? So, like, right, but I don't know. But you don't need them. It's a hat on a hat. It, it is a little bit of a hat on a hat, for sure. Uh, like I said, I think I would just prefer to just have TJ host in this, but, like, whatever. If you're going to, if they're there, then let them be there. Um, so enough. I don't know. I also, I suspect that just maybe this Argentinian contest was not as difficult as the other ones. <laughs> like, or it just didn't, or or just the cast wasn't as uh, talented as as a normal cast is, yeah, because certainly I, the winners are not uh, are not particularly formidable. Like super duper props to Claudia being forty five and doing this. Oh yeah, for sure. And like honestly, awesome. like looking younger than a number of thirty five year olds on the show at forty five. So good for yeah, her. What, and she seems like a lovely person. She she did win, right? She won the the Australian season, I think, right? The Argentinian uh, season, yeah. Argentinian uh, season, excuse me. Yeah. She may have, yeah. I can't remember. Um, you know, like I, I Rodrigo looks great. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, seems like well, a real a great charmer. dancer. Yeah, is a great dancer. Uh, but you know, showing a little gray, <laughs> like a little. I, yeah, like I just don't know that this is the. Uh, they're just not a formidable group. You know what I mean? In no. this, like coming into this thing, uh, they seem like fantastic people to be around. Yes, but, uh, but yeah, no, not um, not great, not great. Uh, by the way, I'm looking at this, and Huhui was eliminated in episode six. Uh, Claudia was actually sixth place. Oh, she was sixth place. Okay, and Rodrigo so- was fourth place, and uh, Benha was eliminated in episode eight so none of the oh so these are, are these are like they're all losers from, from that, that may be the issue yeah. <laughs> okay the winner that's, is that's someone the winner was someone named sol perez uh who is not obviously here i wonder if some of those people would like just were like i don't speak good enough english to do this i also wonder that although she i mean she's a TV presenter, um, Sol Perez. So maybe she just is busy. Uh, but she is 29 and looks bigger and stronger than any of the Argentines there, including Ben Han Rodrigo. Yes. Uh, so Rodrigo is 42. Yeah, they're old and small. <laughs> yeah, and Ben Han is 38. Right. The only young one is Huhui, who is like just not much of an athlete it's mm. the, the argentines are across the board the weakest physical competitors and they are also playing in their second language which seems like a horrendous disadvantage especially something that involves um you know social networking basically yeah even who, who is 32 so yeah, uh, tough break for Argent Argentina. I, I have a feeling they they may be in a lot of trouble every week until they're gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think that's where we're headed. Uh, once, by the way, once people spell blood in the water, it just gets it gets tough. Yeah. Um. Can 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 we talk about that pole in the pole wrestle? Sure. Why was it the size of a flagpole? <laughs> it, was, it was kind of a big pole. I agree. By far the biggest pole we've ever seen in a pole wrestle. Very weird. Uh, were, you, were you just as impressed by the split move as I was? Yes. Yeah, that was something. I mean, it, 
it was an impressive win in general. And and maybe maybe I don't know. Uh, Kiki is an interesting competitor. Uh, yes, yes. By the way, uh, twenty three minutes into the episode for the first Kiki mention. Um, yeah, I thought it took too long. <laughs> he especially, got a there though, later. Yes, but especially with another Kiki on site, I, I thought for sure the first thing he was going to talk about was his wife Kiki, and instead it was like three ITMs in for Danny that we finally got our first Kiki mention. Uh, I am glad she came up at least twice in the episode because it doesn't feel like it would be a challenge episode with Danny if Kiki didn't come up at least twice. No, and we got a photo. Yeah, uh, yeah, and the, the daughter is is cute as hell. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Kiki. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, so I feel like we should move on because we're an hour into this podcast now. Who yeah. um, who who are you taking right now? I mean, I, I, if I'm if I'm picking a top three, it's Wes and Zara, it's Grant and John A, and I'll throw Bananas and Justine a bone. I'm gonna go Wes and Zara. I'm going to go Casey and Ben, and I'm going to go Jordan and Kaz for my third team. Interesting. Um, But look, I I think it needs to be said again, like, Huhui and Nelson, Tristan and Kellyanne, I guess I I wouldn't be particularly afraid of. Troy and Amber is a weird one, but I think could surprise us. Pretty I much everyone be, else here. I can see Yes and Emily being real dark horses. Yeah. I think I Yes mean, awesome partner. An awesome partner, but he's also insufferable, so that's... You know, <laughs> um, but, like, I've been in case. But he's good at this game, man. He's, you know what I mean? He is, he's got he that is. bananas like he's good at weird shit. You know yeah. what I mean? yeah. Ben and Casey. Uh, you mentioned Kaz and Jordan. Danny and Tori. Uh, Ben Ben Ha and Jody could be a dark horse because we don't really know how good Ben Ha is, and if Jody has retained any of her ability, like she can be dangerous. Kiki yeah. and Darrell. Darrell's a four-time champ, and Kiki beasted a girl in the elimination. Like there's yeah. just uh, Darrell and Kiki, man. Because think about Darrell and Amber that first season, right? Yeah. Like Amber up. Like Darrell's like can kind of Yoda you, especially if you're a girl with some athleticism, uh, pretty far. So agreed. This is uh, uh, yeah. th- this is just an absolute. It's a field befitting the title of the Challenge World Championship. It really is. Agreed. And before we go, I want to shout out to Theo for being in a room full of people popping champagne corks. I I I can't even imagine doing that after I lost my eye in a champagne accident. Well, not only that, but having the good humor to make a joke about it. Like I, <laughs> Theo, we liked him in the past, and and I I feel like he is. He is on the right track to to being a fan favorite again. I'm, I'm I was a, I'm very excited guy. when he came back. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, because it's a tough way to tough way to have to go out and um, and yeah, like I said, he's a really he's an interesting competitor, man. He really is. I mean, there are things he is just going to pure be better than everyone else at because he is more physically talented. Yeah, we I I don't think we've seen the best of him in this game yet. So no. agreed. Um, agreed. So yeah, and, and you know, unless they do sharpshooting, the eye shouldn't be a huge problem. <laughs> I can't tell which one it is, by the way. So good on him. Um, yeah, whatever no, damage just, seems I mean, to not have been like visible. Yeah, he did a good job with that. Uh, all right, which one of these uh, pop culture things you want to get to first? Uh, let's just do women talking. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> Would you put this under the category of bad time entertainment? Um, you know, I knew what it was about, and and knowing what it was about, it probably was not as bad of a time as I expected because it wasn't much of a time at all. It literally was just women talking. Um, and running. I and... mean, a little bit, but mostly it was just like six women in a room talking. And, and like, it was, uh, don't get me wrong, like the, the criminal aspect on the male side is horrific, but like those guys are not characters in the movie. Um, we don't really like we see the aftermath of a couple of attacks, but it's not a major focus. It's mostly just about the women talking and they're talking a, in such a way that I, I think, correct me if you disagree, but I think pretty clearly this is intended to be an allegory for the world at large. Um, and I, I guess I just didn't think it was a very interesting al allegory. And I wished... I don't know what I would have done to make it more interesting, but honestly, I almost feel like putting the actors, just taking Rooney Mara and Francis McDormand and uh, Claire Foy and putting them in the room and having them have an actual real-life conversation about gender dynamics would have been more interesting. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I mean, the reason I, I I asked you about bad time entertainment because I like I found this deeply uncomfortable and unpleasant. It's uh, not a good time, but when but I think I of like bad time like that, right? <laughs> yeah, but when I think of bad time entertainment, I think of more like visual upsetting stuff. You know, I think of more action in. I don't know. I found I found it visually upsetting at times for sure. Yeah, but but again, most of it was just women you know sitting I mean? on hay bales talking. Which is, like, it was depressing, but not necessarily a, a terrible time. Yeah, I don't know. And I... also, I just, it was hard to, it was hard for me to really lock in with the supposed reality of the setting. Because it wasn't part of the movie, really. Well, yeah, well, I, I think it was almost supposed to be such a, like, like, I don't know, it's an interesting choice to set this in such a surreal sort of community, right? Well, you know? and to... Again, here's the thing, man. Um, may, I don't, I don't want to be dismissive, but like, this is this movie is called Women Talking. Eighty-five plus percent of it is literally women having a conversation, and it's an entirely pointless and implausible conversation because the quite obvious answer is tell the police. They've already got the fucking guys in jail. Just go to the police. You don't have to escape. You don't have to fight. You don't have to do nothing. You just have to tell the police. Like, I don't know, man. I don't think a two-day conversation was necessary. I really don't. So that's why, to me, like, it's not super interesting as an allegory. The complications of what women have to deal with in the real world is a much more interesting conversation. But, like, there's no there there with, with the topic of this film. The women are being drugged and raped in the middle of the night. There's evidence. Go to the cops. Yeah. I mean, look, I guess, I guess then you can get into what happens when you, 
you know, the difficulties of, of proving, you know, sex crimes. Um, well, that would have been a more interesting conversation. <laughs> <laughs> probably, you're right. It probably would have made the movie more interesting. I don't know. Um, I, I also feel like this this isn't necessarily made for me. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't know. Like, well, I and that's all, I, I think. Right, who's it made for, do you think? Uh, women, I think. Pretty sure. <laughs> well, but then. <laughs> I don't but know. again, that makes it a little pointless to me because, like, women are the ones who know who already they already know. Like, it, this is another case right. of like the people who probably know. like if you're telling me men are generally awful, like that's not news to me, you know? Right, like right. But I do think like, but I think the audience that you would like to be struck by what seems to be the point of this film is men. You know, like that's. Maybe it wasn't for men, but maybe it, maybe like that should have been the target audience to like, because yeah, I I think you and I would have both said we understand if we don't understand we are aware anyway of how problematic much of life can be for women, um, but the the group least aware of that is definitely white men, so. I, I, yeah, I, and look, all this. I I feel like we should say I didn't feel like this was a bad movie. No, it's it's a well constructed movie. I just felt like it was un, unnecessarily obtuse at a lot of times, and yes. um, and I don't know. Just it, it's a tough watch, man. It's just tough. It, like it's a, certainly I not think pleasant. Somewhat deliberately, but yeah. uh, but man, uh, you know, couldn't wait for it to end and. I feel like it is so um, typical of this crop of Oscar movies. You know what yep. I mean? Like, I've come around to the point where I'm kind of accepting and understanding that I think everything, everywhere, all at once is going to win, even though I think the movie is fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah. Because I, I don't know. I think it's probably <laughs> better than most of the things that we've watched at this well, point. So. And I think I think what's worth saying about that, even if you didn't like it, and obviously I very much did like it, um, is that while you may f- have found it ridiculous and not enjoyable, at least it was original and thoughtful and, like, something different. Yeah. Almost everything we've watched has been a, a, a fine, but certainly not interesting or exceptional version of things we've seen before. Yep. You know, well, Top Gun Maverick and, and, and dead donkeys. Right, what, yeah. Well, Top Gun Maverick is, is the outlier just by being a good version of a movie we've seen a thousand times. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, <you're> right. <laughs> it's a really disappointing Oscar field. And, and I don't know, maybe we will get independently to watch, you know, uh, Triangle of Sadness or The Whale, which at least seem a little more original than some of the others, but like this really is a depressing field of Oscar films just in terms of like ambition. Yeah. With the exception yeah. of everything everywhere all at once. I would say come on, Hollywood. <laughs> like that's, that's well, but what I wonder is is it Hollywood or is it the Academy? No, I think it was Hollywood. I think this is like I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't think there's a whole pile of better movies that they didn't pick sitting around somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if there are, they 
if there are, they were not big movies. So um, I, I do think there's, and it's a conversation we've had before, but I, th- I think there's a pretty significant conversation to be had about like this being what the obsession with prior IP does to the movies that are out there. Yeah. Yeah. We may be seeing it reach, reach its end between Uh, like recycling old IP and producing superhero films. There's not a lot of space for, uh, movies to really surprise and delight us, which is why I think Coda was such a standout. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like Coda might've been sort of a, uh, really good, but like, Really good amongst of other really uh, amongst a bunch of other really good indie movies in like you know 2008 or something like that, um, but in 2023 it was the only one. Yeah, or I like two, I was for a movie whatever, that whatever. touched my heart and but didn't make me feel like shit in the process. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. All right, um, I want I want to move on to Daisy Jones and the Six because this is <laughs> something I actually did like. Yeah. Uh, me I too. feel like it would be nice to talk about that. How many did you watch? Uh, all all three. I did not watch the new one that came out yesterday. Okay. Um, I think I only watched two. I'm the, like, the band is not together yet in my... Uh, yeah, you probably only my... watched two. Yeah. Well, they're not totally together yet after three, but uh, they have at least met. Um, you know, and look, obviously this... Uh, you know, something like this is going to give you some almost famous vibes, but um, I'm enjoying getting those vibes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost famous vibes in a really nice way. And and yeah. I have to say, it like we got to mention, Elvis's granddaughter has some pipes, man. Um, yeah, sure does. <laughs> I didn't know Riley Keough was Elvis's granddaughter. I did not way. either. I was just putting that together. That's why it took me a second. <laughs> yeah. So that that's Lisa Marie's kid. And she can really not just can really sing, but has a really interesting voice. And, and I think it's pretty key to make you believe that this generally unaccomplished woman could suddenly be handed the frontman job of a band that's already reasonably established, right? Like she had to be impressive as a singer to sell this and she is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think she I think everybody's impressive as you know in terms of selling Agreed. but like I, I buy the band, I buy but yes, you're right. Be she her role in particular because she's kind of starts off as this like sort of wanna be, right? You right. know. Yeah. Right. She has to convince you that she's not just some random wannabe, but that she's a wannabe who actually possesses incredible talent. I I would say, look, I mean, what's his face um, from like Hunger Games? Um, what's his damn name? Sam Claflin is like I could sing like that, you know. Yeah. Like, throw throw a little rasp on your voice, and if you can hit it, if you can hit a note anywhere near it, uh, you can you can do what he's doing. Um, but I think I think. Riley Keough's voice is is pretty special. Yeah, uh, and I'm enjoying the story. Yeah, um, as well. Yes, so, uh, this is a high like if 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 music biopic series about a fake band in the '60s and '70s is appealing to you, you will like this. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's just a very well executed version of that. I don't I don't know that there's ambition to do much more, but great, you know. Sometimes that's uh, enough, man. Difference? Like, how yeah. much time have we spent talking about Oscar-nominated films that are just remarkably mediocre? 
to just <laughs> to to say that like, hey, just a really good version of a thing can be good. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And now this one is going to be easy for me to just watch and see where it goes. I'm I'm ready okay. for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. history of the world. I, I'm uh, really like I got a little preview before the podcast of your reaction to this, and I'm I'm honestly surprised. Yeah, look, I don't hate it. Um, I just thought it would be funnier. You know what I mean? Like, I like. I honestly, I laugh sometimes. You know what I mean? I uh, laughed constantly. I, but th- I like. Just sometimes. It is incredibly stupid, but it's yeah. Mel Brooks. That's what Mel Brooks does. Sure. And I found the incredible stupidity both charming and very funny. So, yeah. I don't know how many you watched. I did think it sort of got better as I got into it. I watched, uh, I think, half of them, four of them. Um, they're I short. I they are. They are short. And, I, and yeah, I think I just enjoyed the stupidity less than you did. Yeah, but if like honestly, I, I also went back and watched History of the World Part One uh, before we got into this, and and that is also incredibly stupid. Like almost all the Mel Brooks traffics in an only slightly elevated version of toilet humor. That's what he does. That's yeah. what Spaceballs is. That's what everything. That's what Robin Hood Men in Tights. But I think he's just as good as it at, at it as he ever was, and I think like the people who did this with him did a great job of bringing in like a modernity that I'm guessing 96 year old Mel Brooks isn't totally on top of. Right, and, and I, I think Nick Kroll often traffics in that same sort yes, of. Yes, and a, Ike Barinholtz. Like these are yeah. stupid comedy people, and I think they're all really good at it. And I was laughing. Almost constantly. A lot of my laughs were punctuated by, that's so stupid. But I really enjoyed myself. And maybe you just needed to get, like, a little higher before you watched it. Yeah, I didn't get high at all. Maybe that was the problem. Like, I just think a nice big hit from the bong, and you're you're going to laugh harder and enjoy it more. All you right. You've got to let go of pretension and be ready to laugh at the fart jokes. Maybe maybe I'll try the rest of it that way. Because yeah, you're right. I'm not like I'm not a big fart joke guy. Yeah, just in general, you know. Uh, maybe it's because I've got the, these two small children now. But I I have over the last several years been reminded of the pure comedy of the fart. <laughs> Purest form. That's it, it really is. It's the oldest and and most consistently funny joke in human history. Uh, it is certainly the oldest. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I did sort of like the one with the cave woman sitting around. That uh, uh, yeah, that was good. That was funny. Uh, speaking of old jokes, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought of Blazing Saddles. You know, yeah, yeah. And there were there, there were some like it was fun to see like Marla Gibbs show up yeah. randomly. Like there definitely is some of that, you know, and you're like, oh, hey, you know, so um, like I'm not saying I had a bad time. I just I I don't know. I just I thought I was going to be I thought I was going to laugh more than I did. But you're right. Maybe I just need to get high. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's I think that's your answer. And again, like I, I thought it was even I thought it was longer than it is. It's only I think it's a total of four hours. It's I would say it's worth watching, especially like it's a it's a classic like set your expectations in the right place situation, right? Agreed. Agreed. I may not have done that. That may be where I went wrong. Yeah. Um, all right. I got to get out of here. So let's do yeah, some Yeah, let's homework. go. Homework. Uh, of course, the challenge and Top Chef um, yep. are, are back, and, and we're super excited for that. So that will take up a lot of our time. Um, 
on top of that, uh, The Last of Us is ending this uh, this week. Um, and we have not discussed that, I think, since the first week of the show, right? We Maybe mentioned we it briefly after, like, yeah. the third episode, but I think we needed to get into it more. A, lot, a lot's happened. A lot has <laughs> happened. So, uh, so yeah, we'll come back around and talk about that. Ted Lasso uh, is premiering its final season. Yeah. We are... Uh, uh, somebody sent out a good tweet the other day that like we're about to lose all our sad men. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that very much. <laughs> but uh, you know, we got t- Ted Lasso's going away. Barry Berkman is going away. Yeah. Um, uh, Kendall Roy is going away. You know, well, a lot of a lot of sad men leaving this season. So. I, I'm sure there will be more. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm Deservedly sad. so or not. <laughs> I think that's right. So. Um, so we're gonna watch the that, and then uh, uh, the Luther Idris Elba's Luther. Uh, there's a Luther movie that I guess actually made it to theaters, uh, and is out on Netflix today. So um, yeah, I'm excited about that. So there you go. I should mention Ted Lasso's on Apple if you didn't know that, and Last of Us knows uh, that. HBO Max. You probably everybody know. knows that. All right, you you get on the get on the horse and get out of here. You got to travel, man. I I got to get back to Chicago. Okay, bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The lights out. Butter's getting hard, the eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor, have yourself a tremendous evening.